Hello and welcome to the Manifest Image. The 20th century marked a change in the arts, no longer waiting to be retrospectively defined by critics and historians. Writers such as F.T. Marinetti, Tristan Sara and André Breton took their identities into their own hands. In their respective groups, they laid out their thoughts and structured art theories and released them in a range of artistic manifestos. On this podcast, we pick apart these manifesto-led movements, including the artists behind them and the works that they produced. I'm Thomas Greengrass. And I'm Arian de la Garza. And today we are looking at the first of uh, a, a mini series based on futurist theatre. It is the first part of the variety theatre. Ariel, can you tell me a little bit about... Yes, of course. So this text on the variety theatre um, was first published on the 29th of September in 1913 as an independent leaflet and then in La Serva journal around that time. Uh, then it was published in a severely abridged version, apparently not with much care, in the Daily Mail. In the oh, Daily Mail, okay. yes. Um, uh, under the title The Meaning of Musical. Uh, then it appeared once more in The Mask, um, a quarterly journal of the art of theater that was run by no other than Gordon Craig um, in January 1914, which was also, also apparently shorter, although other sources say longer. Uh, we'll have to check that for the next episode. Um, where apparently Craig... Uh, so serious published scholarship could be in order. <laughs> <laughs> a, a tiny, a tiny bit of it. Um, where Craig then publishes an essay viciously criticizing them. So that could be interesting to look at. Or Craig for our English speakers. <laughs> or Craig. So, so <laughs> such, a, such a petty dick. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, so in terms of the actual structure of the manifesto, it's... It's uh, very broadly broken up into two sections. It begins with these 19 declarations that celebrate variety theatre and uh, then has a further five uh, that explain how it can kind of be kept as a, as a special form of theatre. Uh, and then the very last section, which I, I, I count as you know, connected to it, uh, just sections from Marinetti's uh, 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 Words in Freedom uh, mm-hmm. style of writing. Uh, so, yeah, it's this is uh, hailed as uh, the futurist manifesto on theatre to read. It appears in most of the collections and anthologies that you'll find. But having read ahead, uh, there's the futurist synthesis theatre and there's a futurist uh, work on safe design. This actually seems to be the least innovative. Yes, um, the least interesting one of, of them all. Yeah, they latch on to variety theatre, which, I mean, would you like to say something about? Sure, so variety theatre, I think it's a good place to start with. Yeah. With What was it? Um, I don't even know if it really... Was it? Who did it? When did it happen? <laughs> yeah. I don't really know if anything like it exists anymore. Not Maybe really. some versions a bit, but... Um, it was a, a kind of popular theatre that, at least in Britain, developed out of music hall which was just a big place for you to go be rowdy, have drinks and listen to live music and performances of different kinds. Um, I guess something similar would be like stand-up. I, do you know what? Um, I, I but they're like worked. significantly more relaxed performances than the ones we're used to. Um, people would yell and often talk over 
over the acts. Sometimes they'd throw things. I don't know if you've seen Blues Brothers, but there's a scene, there's a scene where they go to a uh, some bar on the outskirts of town and play the theme of to the TV show Rawhide, and they get thrown <laughs> bo- beer bottles at a chicken wire. So that was the kind of vibe uh, in musical. We still have the Royal Variety performance in the UK. Oh, there you go. And so, uh, yeah, so that kind of collection. And I guess talent shows are the other big one, where, you know, you'll have someone come on, uh, uh, you know, singing, dancing, maybe a comedian. Yeah, I mean, there, theater performances. there were also variety shows in, in on television, yeah. right? There, there are those. I mean, late night TV is kind of, in America, would be like close to something like that, where they have like little music, you get your interviews, you get your comedy, you get your sketches, you know, whatever. Um, but those are all, I guess, bastardized and like pared down versions mm. of what was a really huge thriving form of entertainment. It was how people were entertained before television and movies. Well, one of the things that actually um, we, we can additionally add to variety theatre that mm-hmm. you don't really get in things like the Royal Variety Show performance today uh, is that Marinetti is, uh, specifies that they can actually have a film element. Mm-hmm. That they actually have some sort of projector screen that they can actually use. Yeah, which is, to, which is very advanced. I mean, yeah, the there's a lot of, of multimedia. Tech, and it seems that the stage design can also be quite radical. Because uh, in the actual manifesto, he says that, yes, these stage technicians actually do some interesting things. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is actually one of the big uh, benefits of this style of theatre, that you just don't have some sort of proscenium stage or something like that. You, you actually have uh, innovation on every level, um, uh, including the stage itself and, and the number of mediums that you've actually got in this uh, form of theatre. Um, now, also, I think it's, it's interesting uh, to place this in a kind of broader theatrical context. I guess this is also a moment of huge change in theater that they're right right on the cusp of, of happening. Mm. Um, I mean, you have very soon after this and roughly around the same time, um, huge innovations coming from Russia, for example, like Stanislavski. Yeah. Um, and essentially the end of the very naturalistic theater of uh, the 19th century where people would prioritize um, very, very stuffy, very rigid sets, mm. um, you know, things like that. So there was like a, sto- a story of, I mean, this was in Russia, but I guess it's emblematic, uh, told by the director Alexander Tyrov of people, uh, him being in a troupe that would drag around these huge wooden logs behind them as they toured. Um, because they didn't want the set to shake when one of the actors banged on the wall really violently during a scene. Um, and he thought Jeez, that's that, in, that rather, like as opposed to um, Is that a $10 really making us believe... A $5 problem? Well, it's a, but it, like the entire thing was the trying to make everyone believe that everything is real, right. but in trying to make it believe that everything is real, y- y- you made it all the more patently obvious it wasn't, right? It seems um, needlessly complicated. So it just, just, completely, just completely pointless, like this completely pointless uh, pursuit and endeavor. And then after that, theater becomes very self-conscious and mm. um, forms get freed up. And so in German expressionism kind of comes along later and um, makes theater no longer attempt to be naturalistic. Um, 
Well, maybe yeah. we should actually look at so now, now we can, what Marinetti we can says sure. about... Uh, I'll just actually recite it out. We have a deep... This is the very beginning of it, of the Variety Theatre Manifesto. We have a deep distaste for the t- contemporary theatre, verse, prose, and musical. Well, there's a surprise. <laughs> because it oscillates stupidly between historical reconstruction, pastiche or plagiarism, and a photographic reproduction of everyday life. Petty, slow, <laughs> analytic, and diluted theatre that is worthy, at best, of the age of the oil lamp. So, yeah, so he's, he's got this nice bifurcation there, uh, where he just thinks that we're, we're opting for some sort of backward-looking theatre, um, uh, that's, I mean, he says pastiche. I perhaps think that maybe parody would even be better because it's uh, less of a compliment. Um, uh, and just ripping it off blatantly. But then we've also got the other uh, uh, section, which just seems to be too, which is this naturalist, realist. I mean, God knows what he'd have thought of the 1950s and 60s when you reached the age of kitchen sink realism. That's especially mundane. But it, yeah, so. He is brought up in the tradition of, of people like Eugene Scribe and Zola. In fact, the young Marinetti mm-hmm. actually, you know, writes during his uh, 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 his uh, degree mm-hmm. about Zola and things like that. But yeah, he's uh, um, of course Zola, yeah, a significantly but, better writer than Scribe ever was. Mm. Well, yeah, he he, but mm-hmm. he, Zola is a deep naturalist. Yeah, he's one of the fathers of naturalism. So. In some ways, it's going to be very difficult for Marinetti to be moving on from. But, uh, yeah, you've got the young Marinetti who's uh, uh, very heavily influenced mm-hmm. by uh, Alfred Jarry mm-hmm. uh, with his Ubu plays. Uh, and, in fact, Marinetti's first play, the very first one that he writes, is uh, uh, Roi Bombance, which was performed at the Théâtre de Le Ouvre in 1909. Mm-hmm. So, around the time that the first Futurist Manifesto is occurring... Um, and obviously there's this reference to this uh, Ubu, uh, uh, to Jarry's Ubu. Mm-hmm. But here we've got... Now, this is one of my problems with this, uh, with this manifesto, actually, because there are interesting points, and I recommend people read it, um, but I do think it is overplayed in terms of what it says. The issue is that this is the futurists who are latching on to an existing art form. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, fine, they do that with painting and things like that. Uh, but uh, th- this is nowhere near as innovative. The Variety Theatre Manifesto is rather just a kind of a, you know, it's more just like an appraisal of it. It's saying what other people are doing, it's already pretty good. Well, well, but, it, but, it's, but it's, I guess, I guess what it does do is, um, is really try to desacralize, right? And I mean, they say this several times, I don't know if I can uh, immediately mm. find it, but they talk about, um, you know, ridding everything of the kind of air of, of holiness or something. They don't, they don't say holiness, they use the no. better word, but of, of the sacred, right? Um, this kind of thing. And um, I think that's what they're doing. The, the variety theater was, as we said, like a completely popular yeah. form of entertainment, a vulgar form of entertainment. Very vulgar, in fact. Lots of it had to do with uh, parading women around and up here in London, apparently. Um, prostitutes would walk up and down the aisles of music hall venues, right? So it was a disreputable form of entertainment. Um, I guess the fancy version in France would be burlesque, right? Yeah. Um, but so, so that's also, I think, what they're doing, right? It's it's provocative, especially for the time, in that they are kind of decrying the bourgeois theater of you know with seats and. 
and here we go and we were seen by everyone else in society and blah 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 no that no I, I agree I think that makes a lot of sense and perhaps it's best to sort of get out of the way mm -hmm. uh, some of the basic things that we would imagine Marinetti likes about it you know so I'm not going to read all 19 out of the first but uh, we can just like do some selections he says obviously why do I like variety theatre there's no tradition it's brand new uh, there's a psychological purpose behind it which is practical mm -hmm. um, so he, he actually likes that people can go to it they can relax they can become riled up that you can get this whole gamut of emotion but he, he's he, he does think it's a psychological process, which means that he's kind of closer to an Aristotelian in some ways. <laughs> Interesting. I just thought I'd sneak that in there. Uh, he likes, he celebrates uh, uh, their, uh, the, the technical innovation. He thinks that it's, uh, there's a, a lot of impressive stuff. You've got acrobats who are also doing things and they're, they're working along with technicians. Um, he also likes that they have got film in it. Uh, and so you can actually have like images of planes flying and things like that. And so it just adds an additional kind of element that he thinks is, is novel. And so the novelty is celebrated. And not just novel, but uh, a more true to life way of representing the experience of the modern man. Right. Yeah, but it's still going to look terrible in some ways. I well, mean, no, sure, but, those... but, that's what, but, that, but that's what he says, like explicitly, right? That he thinks he thinks that the variety theater, this kind of fast-moving pastiche yeah. of things, and then suddenly you hear about the war and mm. I don't know Abyssinia, you know, yeah. some other current event. Yeah, um, he does think is, it can serve as a, as yeah, a, yeah, yeah, a method of education as well. It's, it's like strange. As a it's so odd that he talks about the education. Yeah, there's, there's like four that, or five mentions of education. Come across. It should yeah. be in these like. But anyway, that, but anyway, that, 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 that kind of fast-moving pastiche yes. of information, entertainment, just everything... We shouldn't move is, on, is the though, way that, that. Well, no, is the way that we experience life in the world, right? And that, that therefore, yeah. variety theater is a truer way of representing reality, which, which is a, a weird point for him to make. And I, but I guess yeah. that's what they always want to do, right? To finally represent speed and dynamism. Yes, it is. It's that, it's that quickness doing, and that you know? variation. Mm -hmm. Things are never static. They're never standing still. Um, but uh, 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 no, you brought it up mm -hmm. um, about this learning thing. I think there are parallels today mm -hmm. that we do actually like very short form content. Uh, you know, just think of all the you know YouTube shorts, TikTok reels. You know. We do like these 60-second, 90-second or, 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 you know, shorter videos. Mm -hmm. And people do learn from them. I mean, this is one of the things, you know, there are, you know, you get finance gurus, you get, you know, 60-second updates about things that are happening in the news. Every time you swipe your, your most people, mm -hmm. I imagine, when they swipe their phone, they get like a, the top five, uh, you know, news headlines that are present. You know, we're living in that age of uh, uh, constant news, 24-hour mm -hmm. news cycles. So I guess you've kind of got a precursor to that here yeah, in some I, ways. I think they would they would like it I mean in in the in its speed right mm. they might not like it in its energy or maybe lack of energy yeah but they too. but they love the speed and I think they love the I guess cacophony of it would they like clickbait I they Probably. might do. Of course they, they do. I mean, do. This is this is old timey clickbait. Here's one sorts. thing that you must see this video. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they might like that. Well, I don't know if they'd like that. But uh, he also says uh, another thing uh, is that it also has audience collaboration. Yes, which he likes. Mm -hmm. the, that's uh, he mentions that in the eighth uh, uh, point. Um, now this is an important thing. I mean, it's this has been an age old question: what role the audience should play uh, uh, in theatre. 
this goes all the way back to the ancients uh, and, and, and across the globe, in fact, in different uh, um, uh, histories and uh, traditions of theatre. Mm-hmm. He's now looking at it. This will, in some way, again, be a, a, a precursor to the surrealist theatre and also to uh, um, uh, the theatre of the absurd. Um, uh, was it Anthony Artaud? Uh, theatre of Cruelty. Yeah, yeah Theatre of Cruelty, not Theatre of the Absurd. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Although maybe, you, I think in some oh, ways as well absurd, with Beckett and UNESCO. Yeah, but Beckett's not particularly participative as opposed to... I don't know. Arthur, I mean, Artaud's like this, Yeah, meant to be this like nearly religious, like... But he, he's union. actually antagonistic to an audience. And I think you kind of... Well, yeah, that. but he's antagonistic in an audience, but in an effort to bring it in, this, like, whole synthesis of a thing. Um, but th- th- this, this bringing in the, the-, the the role of the audience and focusing mm-hmm. on them, he says that it's meant to be educational, but they're also meant to, you know, allow them to relax. It serves these psychological benefits. But then uh, in his, uh, you know, the five... Uh, um, uh, 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 declarations that he has at the end about how to keep the theatre interesting and uh... but I think let me quickly very quickly mention a few others before you mention those oh no no because I just wanted to oh, mention the, the thing about um, again because this stays to the audience mm-hmm. and I think it's because of this that a lot of people will mention this uh, the, the variety theatre as actually one of these important futurist manifestos because it says that um, uh, uh some random suggestions. This is from the third, uh, third declaration at the very end. Uh, some random suggestions. Spread a strong glue on some of the seats so that the male or female spectator will remain stuck to the seat and make everyone laugh. I know, but this is my favourite bit. The damaged dinner jacket or toilette will be paid for at the door. Yeah. <laughs> no. So, uh, so they're very punk, uh, but they're oh no, we will pay for it. Don't yeah, worry, <laughs> we will pay. They just wanted to make the whole thing is to 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 try to what uh, bring in bring in the most eccentric. Yeah. And like rowdy looking individual to start fights so people would watch. Give free tickets to men and women yeah. who are notoriously unbalanced, yeah. irritable <laughs> or eccentric and That's likely wonderful. to provoke an uproar with obscene gestures, pinching women or other freakishness. Mm-hmm. Sprinkle the seats with dusts that provoke itching and sneezing. Sell the same ticket to 10 people. <laughs> <laughs> so he's actively, really is actively antagonistic to the audience. So I think you, but to the point of being a bit schoolboy. Completely. But, uh, uh, well, I say very, bit, very. Yeah. I know. Well, I know, but the sneezing stuff, I mean, come on. Yeah, the sneezing it, what's powder. He doing? What's doing? Releasing stink bombs as well? Yeah. Is he there with a pea shooter? Mm-hmm. Trying to, I don't know. So he also thought that the variety theater somehow exalts uh, man's kind of strongest qualities mm. and women's also most animalistic uh, qualities. Her power to pray, seduce, betray, and resist. Um, whereas for men, it's their rapacious instinct. Yeah, so, so we, we're, we're you know, bringing. It thinks that it uh, increases masculinity, or exactly, and supports it and undermines femininity. Then you have, you know, other which is you the, your heroism things that he usually will talk about. Exactly, those are some of the more boring ones. And then, and then what I what I'd said earlier, um, it. <clears throat> but I said earlier, that, uh, here it is. 15. The variety theater is, is destroying the solemn, the sacred, the serious, the sublime art, the sublime of art with a capital A. And helping along the future's destruction of immortal masterpieces by plagiarizing and parodying them, by making them seem commonplace, in stripping them of their solemnity, and presenting them as if they were just another turn or attraction. But, but I wanted yes, to talk about this one um, because 
this is something that that is is done and was done since then with to great effect and a lot and i mean these things still are to this day very very popular i mean you've got the the kind of classic versions of this the kind of Rosenstein and Guildenstern. No, no. Are dead. no, 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 no. So you got Rosenstein and Guildenstern. There you go. Rose, yeah. Rosenstein and Guildenstern are dead. But those are kind of retellings, and you have the more, I guess, brutal versions of the the fifteen minute Macbeth. Yes. Right. Uh, well, uh, it's, uh, I, I, uh, so both of these are by Tom Stoppard. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a Cahoots Macbeth, um, which is like a, a, a. It's a very short. Uh, retelling of uh, of Macbeth in about 15 20 minutes whatever mm-hmm. and so yeah we actually like but this then, and but you then get Shakespeare besides that Shakespeare in one act yeah yeah you have so all of these versions popular. you have uh, uh, riffs on classical literature or classical motifs that are like musicals that are very mm. popular is is that what he was talking what, what they were talking about do you think like that Jane Eyre musical in the West End Oh. I mean, no, but there's, yeah. there's there's versions of these. I think so. It, um, constantly, yeah. But I think he wants to be even more antagonistic to it in some ways. Maybe, maybe Cahoots Macbeth, right? Is, is more along so, the lines. I think so. A little bit, yeah. Uh, and and uh, because there's, there's there's the idea of just uh, changing, uh, you know, one uh, one uh, very well known work. Uh, into another medium. Mm-hmm. So, okay, fine, you've got Jane Eyre's novels being translated into a musical. Um, but, you, you know, arguably things like Les Mis, which is a version of Victor Hugo's uh, uh, Les Mis, that's because still he very, means, but, but he very means, precious. Well, but he means more than... An, he doesn't mean an adaption. Right? No, exactly. Because adaptions it's, even then were very commonplace. I mean, yeah. Adaptions were all the time. Yeah, yeah. He means more more like a desacralization of, right? Yeah. So, you know, you do you do Hamlet, but... Every other word is a fart. Yes, no, that's go. about that's, it. That's, yeah, yeah that's that, I think level. that's that's what he was oh. talking about. I mean, back to the schoolboy childishness of it all. I think that's the tenor the they Kenneth wanted to Branagh strike. Four or five hour Hamlet, but oh. they've added in farts after everything. That you know, burps. You know, just to, you know, spice it up. We can call this a, a little manifest image, a side image. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, I can't. God. I don't. I can't stand Kenneth Branagh. Really? Why? I he's good. He's Henry V. Is I nice. Do not he's care good. for his Poirot. Oh, you don't like? Oh, yes. No. Okay, yeah. You I hate those about movies. This. I think he's a terrible film director. You didn't you like you should, his mustache? He should stick to the stage. No. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't like his mustache. Didn't terrible. You like him in uh, Dunkirk. In Dunkirk, he was in Dunkirk. Was no, he? you're thinking of Harry Styles. No, no, no. Not, he was see, also in that. See, listeners, this is a, this is the classic. Oh, was it, nine? it was Dunkirk. This is a classic problem that uh, Thomas runs into. He will constantly mistake Harry Styles for Kenneth Branagh. <laughs> I know the likeness, uh, likeness is uncanny, isn't it's it? It's uncanny. It's really. Yeah. No, you're just thinking of the terrible start to the uh, the death on the Nile, where he's like a he's he's in World War One for some reason. Anyway, <laughs> that's a, a, a side oh, image. Yeah, see, it's got muscle brands in it. As well. oh, I hate so, that. We, we really have had it's a, an a, all. A, it has an all CGI Nile. Anyway. But maybe that is something that the futurists would like. I mean, they would I mean, because because here let's let's yeah let's do a little change here. Uh, the uh, Kenneth Branagh death on the Nile is destroying all our conceptions of perspective, proportion, time, and space. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> of yeah, course, substitute, substitute that with for variety, the variety theater, theater. But, yeah. but that is no, that like is that. how I felt after seeing it. Exa- yeah, well, actually, give the example as well. Read it out, please. Uh, yeah, the variety theater is destroying all our conceptions of perspective, proportion, time, and space. Example: a little doorway and gate that are thirty centimeters in height, isolated in the middle of the stage. 
which eccentric American comedians open and close with solemnity as they repeatedly enter and exit it as though they couldn't do otherwise. That sounds funny. Yeah. But maybe you'll see G.I. Nile is exactly the kind of thing that he'd like. Yes. Maybe he'd love the Hobbit films. He might, he might adore reason. it, yeah. It but is I, a desacralization. Yeah. But I was thinking about this. Uh, 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 but, what, by the way, yeah. yes. so I think this also, um, we can mention vaudeville. Okay. Um, that was the American version of variety theater and mm. and of um, music hall kind of so a lot of like uproarious ridiculous comedy so people acts like the Marx Brothers came out of vaudeville yeah for example yeah I, I, there, a lot of innovation came out of these popular theatrical you, movements it's like you've got this family of that, that theatrical then, that then I think as television happened um, yeah. became kind of bourgeoisified and civilized and then the audience interaction was severely curtailed, and then you're thrown into a big black box in the back, right? Well, I mean, you can make lots uh, of theoretical judgments about why that should happen. Sure. Probably something to do with uh, just anything that's common. If it's rare or, or harder, then it's automatically going to be sure. uh, assumed by... And there are also probably, probably less antagonistic versions of why that happened, but it's probably just bourgeois civilizing nonsense. Well, it's amazing how theatre today is so often thought to be like a very middle class or upper class mm-hmm. uh, 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 medium. But of course, you know, even going back to Shakespeare, he wrote it for everyone. You know, that you're in the globe, you've got people... Uh, and the actors, there wasn't like today where very much it's a solemn thing. True. If you're, if you're uh, watching a Shakespeare play, it's almost as if you're in a church or something yeah. or in a mosque. This is somewhere to be... This is a place to revere. Whereas back then, no, they'd be eating, drinking, and if uh, no microphones, if you the actors had to scream, re- yeah. yeah, they really had to project, belt it out. And if people didn't like what they saw, they are throwing things at the stage. Yes, well, they in, absolutely, are throwing things uh, at the stage. In some industrial towns in Britain, they'd throw rivets. <laughs> <laughs> in Newcastle, like, yeah, really, really, yeah. They, they would, they would, yeah. Rivets, oh. But uh, sorry, uh, just about the perspective thing. Yes. Um, uh, uh, and in particular, that I, I was just thinking, what, is there a famous film or something that I think is a great example? Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. You know, with the different shots and perspectives, such as the impossible camera shots with the, uh, going through the table, mm-hmm. but then they actually had to build a table that sure. split in half. And you've also got the uh, drawn backgrounds uh, that are larger than the person, so when they walk towards them... The forest perspectives. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so you have got a lot of, I think you, this is used in early, early films, you know, by, you know, in particular Citizen Kane, I think is a classic example, but a German expressionism generally, uh, um, very much will use But, but I mean, for example, in, in Citizen Kane is different in that, in that it, it's all this visual trickery meant to mimic reality. So like in a way, no, it's symbolic, this is an, though, well, it? it's symbolic, but like say this is an impossible camera move. But it's not an. It, but it, it it looks perfectly real. Oh, yes. Like it, you know, it looks perfectly real. It it it's it's a trick that it seems like. Well, how are they going through this like that? But I mean, to us nowadays, where we see drone shots and whatever, that doesn't seem mm. as impossible. But it's a it's still a wonderful take. You know? But it but it, it's different in that German expressionism has no pretense to reality. No, it is not trying to mimic reality at all. In fact, it's doing quite the opposite, right? But, but, uh, Pretty but, exalted somehow. Yeah. But just with the, with the Citizen Kane still, mm-hmm. when he's like walks towards the the, the backdrop, and uh, you know he appears smaller in comparison to this, 
this is obviously not like it's not meant to be a trick of perspective just for the sake of like oh oh we've got a god's eye view mm-hmm. it is deeply symbolic it is meant to be this uh, this notion that yes they are actually a very little man mm-hmm. in this in this entire town or city but I, yeah i just wanted to, to really force that um and i think that ties in with the film as well that they can have things like the, the planes flying in the background uh, they are able to have cars but the thing that i was going to say mm. looks terrible just think of all the uh, all those uh, golden and silver screen movies uh, where they're sitting in a car and they've just got uh, uh, you know some sort of projected screen in the background showing movement we should we should uh, uh, slowly start to finish up by mentioning uh, a few concepts we shouldn't dive into them too much today but it's important to note them um, he, he has some technical terms that are mentioned introducing this True. futurist marvelous Body Madness, Theatre 